Chat, your college basketball weekly radio show right here on WVOX 1460 AM in the great city of New Rochelle. I'm your host, Jim Maysano. So happy to be here. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for being part of our show. And just let me remind everybody, this is our last show of the season. As I've learned in prior years, once you get to about June, uh, nobody's really talking about college basketball. They're into other sports. But I'll be back in October to do my preseason shows, so we're going to go on our summer break after tonight. But the great news about tonight is we have a fabulous guest. We have Tobin Anderson. If you watched ESPN... In the first week of the NCAA tournament, he was up there all the time talking to his uh, a fairly Dickinson team, which won two games in the NCAA tournament, including upset at number one seed Purdue. Uh, so he got a, he became pretty famous. And then, as he just told me as we were uh, preparing for the show, he was uh, celebrating his uh, great week in the NCAA tournament after beating uh, Purdue. And next thing you know, he had a new job at Iona, and he was working night and day uh, to improve and build up the Iona University Gales. So uh, we're joined with Tobin Anderson right now. Uh, Tobin, it is so great to have you in the studio today. Thanks, Jim. It's great. It's great to be here. Love talking college basketball and um, you know, honored to be here as your guest. That's great. So I, I could already tell you want to learn about the community, not just Iona, but the surrounding community. And I, we think that's great. And uh, this radio station is a big part uh, of Iona College Basketball. And I can tell you, since I started the show, I'm surprised on Twitter and Facebook, so many alumni of Iona have been following uh, my posts uh, about Iona College Basketball. So it's uh, there's a lot of Iona fans in New Rochelle, uh, age uh, 5 years old to 90 years old. So you've got a lot of built-in fans here in Iona. You know, I went to Iona Prep. Uh, Iona University is a great school. It's at a grammar school, too. A lot of people went to the Ionas, and we all love the basketball team. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the, the, the basketball community. I, I was at a uh, dinner on Friday night, and the whole the school's all wrapped around basketball, the tradition of, of, of success and, and, the, and the championships and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of people here who love, who love basketball, and that's, that's good for me because I'm, I'm a basketball guy, too, so I'm excited about it. Well, we noticed you're a basketball guy. We watched you in the NCAA tournament. But let's just give a little background for folks. So, you know, it's funny. I might be one of these basketball junkies that could tell you, I watched you play an exhibition game against St. John's a few years ago. And your team played so awesome against St. John's. I think they shocked poor St. John's in that game. Yeah, St. John's shouldn't have played us that year. We were actually, we had a very good team. And we went in there and, and it was Chris Bullen's first game. And we ended up winning by, winning by 35. And so we played really well. And it was the kind of same thing. We, we, we pressed and played fast and had, had good guards. And, and uh, we had a good night. And, and it was uh, the last time St. John's would play us. I can tell you that much. So I'm, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll change that going forward. Well, that's interesting you said. So let me just jump to a question I was going to have at the end we'll do now. And it's going to be a bit of a lobby job as well as a question. Yep. So, like I said, I've been rooting for New York Metropolitan College Hoops and watching it and a fan of it for my whole life. And I loved when Iona played Fordham. I love when Iona plays Manhattan. I love when Iona plays St. John's, particularly when they beat them. Uh, I love these local games. Hofstra. Last year, Iona played Hofstra. Great game. Is that something you'd like to work in, get building back these local games for the New York metropolitan area? Absolutely. I, I love, I mean, I, I'm a big rivalry guy. I love, um, I'm a college football fan. So like Notre Dame, Michigan, or, or Nebraska, Oklahoma, those kind of games, like those, are, those mean something. So, like, to me, playing St. John's, playing Fordham, I already played Manhattan twice. Uh, conference games. We're playing Hofstra again this year. They're coming to our place. So 
I think it helps the whole area. helps it helps each program. So I'm all about that. I love to, I love to do it. I love to play those games as, as often as we can. So we're. Uh, We've been pursuing that. We've been so busy recruiting, haven't had a chance to talk a lot of scheduling, but we're definitely going to uh, make that a priority for us. So I had Keith Ergo on the show last week, who's a great coach at Fordham, done a terrific job last year, 25 wins. Uh, I lobbied him as well. I'd love to see Iona play Fordham someday. How'd that go? How's, how's the lobbying? Because I've been lobbying too. I mean, Keith and I are good friends too. So he was he was very very um, big on us just going to his place. It's like, well, Keith, let's go come back to our yeah, come back to New Rochelle too. Let's go let's go both home and home there. He wasn't as, as big on that, but I, that'd be a great game. There he's doing a great job. They're, they're, they had a great year, so that'd be a, a, a tremendous game to play. And I'm all, I'm all for it. So Ed Cull, the athletic director. Yep. Uh, actually mentioned he'd love to see some kind of tournament with all the New York teams. Uh, so if we can get that together, maybe you can elbow the athletic director a little bit uh, to talk to the other athletic directors about getting a tournament of all the local New York metropolitan teams. Uh, that'd be fantastic. I, I love that. I think the fans would love that too. The alumni would, would, would enjoy that. And it just helps promote our basketball pro- programs around here. You know, it's like where we have the best high school, the best basketball traditions in the country. Why not make uh, our colleges is a priority and, and play those games? So I, the tournament sounds fantastic. Oh, awesome. Look at that ringing endorsement from Coach <laughs> Tobin Anderson. He's ready for the tournament. All right, good. That's awesome. All right. So, great job at St. Thomas Aquinas. You won 77% of your games there. Uh, what a great run. And then you get the FDU job. And you take over a team. I think they won like four games, but you turned it around. Went to the NCAA tournament. You beat Texas Southern first. Sometimes people don't talk about that game, but you did win the first game. I actually just went back to watch it to get ready for this game. And, you know, one thing I did pick up on, which was actually one of the strengths of the team last year, when Iona could do a full-court press last year, when they had the bodies outside of injuries, Iona's press was devastating last year. And it, it certainly maybe gave them like five to ten additional points. And they, you know, not only just good defense, but they scored points off it. And you play the same way. Can you talk about uh, how important the press is to your coaching philosophy? Well, I think it's great because a lot of teams don't press. You know, most teams play half half court, either man, half court zone, mostly half court man. So to be a pressing team makes you a little bit different. I think to be to be good, especially when you're not a powerhouse, when you're when you're a, when you're a, a blue blood program, it's it's easier to play conventional basketball. So for us to be a pressing team um, makes us different. We, we pressed last year at FTU. It was 42% of the time. It was the most in Division One. Out of 360 teams, we pressed the most out of any team in the country. And that's how we've always played at St. Thomas Quest. We played that way. Um, FTU, we played that way. We'll play the same way at, at Iona. So it makes the game played faster. It lets you play more, of your, more, more people. Uh, your depth becomes more of a factor for you. It allows you to get easy baskets. It allows you to play in transition. All things that guys want to play that way. You know, I think most high school players, both guys going in or portal players or transfers, want to play in a system where they're playing fast or playing up tempo, uh, playing in the 80s. You know, who wants to play a, a game where it's you know, 48 to 46? So I, I'd prefer to play that way. And, um, it's been good for us. Like we've been able to to uh, play well in our in our conference, but also when you go play a team like Purdue, who's not been pressed all year long, except when they're behind, you know, a team's behind them at the end of the game. Um, it makes you a little bit different. It makes you harder to prepare for. So I think the press has been a big big part of our success, and and uh, that's not going to change. I we're going to still press the same way. Great, and the fans love the press. It's so exciting. Yep. You know, it keeps. Uh, it's not just a slow dribble down the yep. court. It's much more exciting basketball. So that's great. So let's just talk briefly about Purdue. It's like this massive win. It puts you all over ESPN. So you, you know, after you beat Texas Southern, you kind of said uh, that, you know, if, I don't know the exact words, but <laughs> we feel like we could beat Purdue. We can give them a game. Um, what exactly was it that made you feel like you could beat Purdue? 
Well, so and it's actually a, a real conversation. Me and my assistant coach, Cam Morell, who came with me to, to Iona, had that morning was like, hey, I've, I've been watching a lot of this tape, and I think we, that this is a team we can actually, you know, can, can play with, you know, and, and beat. And I'm like, you know, I, I hear beat, and I'm like, well, let's just try to, you know, hang around and just, just make it, make it a, a good game. But he was, he was, he was uh, pretty confident, and then we started diving in more after we won, and I just thought our style. I thought the first that they had they had two guards who were freshman guards who were not um, terribly experienced. We had uh, fifth year senior guards who were very good. We played a five man who could shoot the ball, so the, the big kid couldn't uh, just stay in the paint and just and just clog things up. And um, you know, we we were a bunch of guys who typical New York City kind of team or New Jersey team that was um, uh, gritty, tough, competitive, fiery, not afraid, and. Uh, we played that way too. I thought. I thought if anything, Purdue played a lot more tentative, a lot more uh, afraid than we did. So, and you made a good point too, Jim. Like we actually played great against Texas Southern, and that game we won by twenty five points. I mean, anytime you win an NCAA game, okay, playing game, uh, one sixteen by, by twenty five points. That's that's a pretty good uh, a sign for the rest of the tournament. So we played well that game, and that 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 helped us carry over to Purdue a lot of confidence and. Uh, yeah, we just we played we played very very well and played, but we did we didn't change who we were. We just kind of played our basketball, and that was that was good enough for us to win that night. It was great. It was fun. I, I had about five people in my house. I had a, a fun. <laughs> I had a, a NCAA tournament party, March, March Madness party. We were all on our feet in my den cheering for FDU. Just so you know. Yeah, and I, I think most people probably started that night. I think well, hell, Purdue's going to play FDU. The game it'll be over in, in ten minutes. We'll switch to some other game, and we'll, we'll you know we'll just we'll move on to the next one. But um, it had the highest rating I think for all, for any cable for game on cable in the last like twenty five years for a first round game. So I mean, people loved that that upset. They love the one six. They love the underdogs, and that, that's kind of part of what makes March Madness so special is a chance for a team like FDU. And we were pretty good still, but like for us to play against the blue blood, uh, the Big Ten champion who was um, you know a top five team. And actually beat them was a, and the most incredible thing was was to be in that arena with twenty thousand people there, and most of those people who walked in that arena did not know who FDU was. And with about five minutes to go, the whole arena, besides you know some loyal Purdue fans, was chanting FDU, FDU, FDU. I mean, it just that was incredible how that place just changed into almost like a, a home court uh, advantage for us. Well, just wait till next year when you have the whole arena rooting for Iona in the NCAA tournament. That'd be pretty awesome. Absolutely, that's that's the that's the thing, and that's you know. Like you just mentioned that we want to go to the NCAA tournament and make a run. That's that's a, that's a goal that's out there for us. And so that to do that this year for for me and for our staff just showed us how special that tournament is. And let's let's get back there as soon as possible. Hopefully next year and let's go advance. Well, everyone's rooting for you at Iona. Don't you worry. We all want you to be in the NCAA tournament. Well, first win the MAC. Let's yep. win the MAC yep. again. I went to the MAC finals yesterday. It was a lot of fun. Yep. Down Atlantic City, everybody, all the Iona fans. We had a lot of fun. We celebrated. It was a fun night. Let's do that again this year. Let's do it. That's that's the plan. That's that's the, the, the tradition here at Iona is to win and win the MAC and be a contender every year. That's that's the goal. All right. So you were in the mix four years ago in the Iona job, but then they hired Patino, and then uh, you, then you stayed at St. Thomas Aquinas, went to FDU, and then you get a text, I guess, from the president of Iona after you uh, shocked the world. Yeah. So we got home. We flew in a, ch- a charter flight home after the FA- FAU game. We actually played very well in that game as well. And uh, you know the, the games we, we get beat. We come home at like four or five in the morning. I was on the Today Show that morning from like like nine to ten. So it's already been a crazy day already. I go home. My kids go to school. My wife goes to school. She's a teacher. And I literally put my bags down, sit on my couch, turn the TV on. And about that time, I get a text from from Dr. Carey. Hey, let's let's talk about the uh, Iona job. And I saw within about twenty minutes, I was the Iona head coach. Just me and him talking. We uh, 
We hashed it out. We got all the details done. No, no agents, no, no lawyers, nobody else, just me and him. And by noon, I called my wife. I said, hey, I got some, some big news. I called my staff. I said, hey, we're going to Iona. And we were right, right back to work. Literally, by, by 12 o'clock, we're right back to work trying to put together a team, a roster, the whole thing. So it was, um, yeah. I've, I've not had a chance to actually sit back and enjoy uh, the NCAA tournament or the success at all. But that's coming at some point. You sure? Well, you'll have a great summer when you finish your recruiting. Yes. So, in my mind, I envision, right, when you get in this position you did taking on a job, you had your press conference, and you have to, like, set up a war room and, like, get a whole strategy of recruiting. Is that fair? Is something like that happen? Absolutely. So that, that night, we got home, and we so I have a patio. i got a big screen TV on the patio. It's outside. So we went outside, and we sat out there, me and Cam and Tom, my two guys from FDU were coming with me, and we just, we just started... Making fun. I mean, I don't think I was. I was officially the coach that we started. We started like, hey, let's. This is like here's here's twenty guys to call. Here's some guys to text. Here's some people to check check up on. Uh, Tom flew to Kansas the next morning to go watch a JUCO tournament. So we were like, you know, head in all you know, all in on on recruiting from from day one. And for the most part, that has not stopped since that that day. It's been it's been about thirty days of nonstop recruiting. That's part of the way it is right now with the, with the with the portal and the NIL and the. The transfers and the, just the whole landscape, it becomes a, right now, the, the spring is like a 24-7 recruiting. Um, that's, all, that's all we do, for the most part. So, and you have like a whole nother month plus of that. Yeah. You're right in the middle of it. It won't stop till the roster's full, so I hope, I'm hoping a month. It could be six weeks. I mean, we're, but we're very, like, you know, the one good thing is you got a guy, you know, for me and my staff are, are experienced. We did the same thing at FDU last year, so we kind of know... Um, the landscape, we kind of know how to find guys we, we like, so we won't we won't be impatient. We won't we won't we won't we won't go after guys who don't fit us, who can't help us win. So I'm hoping, Jim, by the time we get to like um, what's today, April 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 22nd or something, 23rd, 24th, by the time we get to like the middle of May or that time period, we should be in pretty good shape. Great. So I, I imagine one thing you have to tap into is uh, players that you've already recruited. That are now in the portal, right? That's an advantage where you recruited a kid another time, and now yeah. uh, you, you can talk to them again to come to Iona. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's so many options out there. Guys, guys you knew about from before, from guys you, you recruited, guys you, you, you who you lost to bigger schools. There's just a lot of options out there. Chuco kids. Um, so we're exploring all options. You know, we, we we've already got some some good freshmen coming in who I, who I love. Some good young guys. The future. There's a two-part thing, right? Half half it's focused on the future and, and what the guys will be good um, next year, but also down the road. But then we need guys who are more experienced, who are a little bit older. They can come in and help us, like right away. Have played have played college basketball before, so you know it, you can't have a roster of all freshmen or all older guys. So you try to balance the whole thing out. So I think we've done a good job so far in um, our strategy of, of having a, a nice balance to the roster. We just got to get it finalized. So is it fair to say now that you brought in four uh, really talented freshmen, I looked at all the resumes, these kids look terrific, uh, now you'll be mostly concentrating on guys out of the portal? Yeah, for the most part. Yep, yep. Mostly, mostly veteran guys. Portal guys are Juco guys. Um, we might take one more freshman. It depends on the situation. But for the most part, it's going to be almost all older guys now. Yep. So I mentioned to you earlier, we fed Jimmy Patos on the show. He's a real character, and it's really fun to have on the show. So he said on the show, if I was still a mid-major coach – 
I wouldn't recruit freshmen at all because if any of them do well, some higher schools is going to poach them. I would only recruit from the portal. That's what he said on the show. All right, and I, and I love Jimmy. Jimmy's a good friend of mine, and, and he came and spoke to our team this year, and that was, it was an awesome thing for our guys and, and for, for our whole staff. It was actually one of the funniest speeches I've ever, ever heard. As you know, Jimmy, he can, he can make you laugh and make you cry and, and uh, make you wish you maybe would have invited him for the speech because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he goes over the edge a little bit. But um, I disagree. Like, like, so I was at Division Two, and we had a lot of success at Division Two. I had a lot of guys who were who were the two guards they had, Grant, uh, Demetri Roberts and Grant Singleton, both could have left for Division One. They didn't leave because they loved the program, they loved the success, they were having, they were, they were playing a lot, they loved the culture, they loved, they loved the, the 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 family environment we created. So I think if you get the right kind of guys, they'll stay. Especially at Iona, Iona's a we were we were uh, top seventy five this year overall, so we're still a top one hundred program, a destination school for most most kids. If you get the right kind of guys and they're having success and they're winning and they're treated well and they like everything else, they'll stay. I'm, I'm, they, they want they want all stay. But a lot of them will stay. I mean, guys stayed in Division Two for me, and they didn't leave. So I had a kid, Justin Reyes, was a two-time All-American. He, when we beat St. John's that night, he had 28 points and 18 rebounds as a sophomore. As a sophomore, right? So most guys would say he's going to leave the next year. He never left. He stayed for five years, was a two-time All-American. He'd love being there. So if you get the right guys, I'm not convinced that they'll all. Now, will some leave? Yes. So you're, you're going to lose one or two. But I think overall, it's still about developing players, developing a program, Mixing in the portal guys, mixing the transfers, but you got to have some young guys who are getting better all the time too. And, I, and like young guys can still help you win. I, I, was still, I still believe in that. So I guess everyone feels now, and you saw this interesting quote from the center at Syracuse who transferred out, uh, went to West Virginia, and basically said, "I really like, like to stay, but we don't really have an NIL program at Syracuse." He was pretty public about it. Um, so obviously, if you could spend a little time, it must be really hard to do NIL at a school like Iona, but there's a way to do it. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? First of all, the fact that Syracuse didn't have NIL, that's the first time in 35 years they haven't had an NIL. I mean, officially, right? Unofficially. I mean, <laughs> I mean come on, like, right? So maybe not enough NIL. But um, it's definitely caused, it's definitely becoming a thing. And like, listen, at the end of the day, um, it's not going away. It's you know once you get that cat out of the bag it's going to be a factor for a while. We definitely have people in Iona who, who are we have a, we have a collective we have we have people in, a, in the right spots building things. Um, it just got started when I got the job, so it's, we, the, things have been in place, but we're starting to move forward. So we're going to have um, the resources there to help. You know, the kids get some extra, well, a little bit of what they deserve. You know, there's a lot of money being made in college sports, especially college basketball and college football, where I think it's a good thing that um, kids you know profit a little bit from, from that as well. So we're definitely, you know, it's going to be a factor for us. Now, can we compete with um, those kind of resources? With Miami with, University. Yeah, Miami and places like that. I, I'm not so sure about that right now. But, like, once again, I don't think a kid should make his decision, and some will, based solely on NIL. Most guys should say, what's the best fit? What's the best program for me? What's the best um, for my future academically, basketball-wise, the whole thing? And then if there's some NIL money to be made as well, that's a good thing too. So that's kind of more of our of our um, strategy, our go- uh, how we're going to go forward is, is not make it the, the focal thing, but make it a supplement to all the great things that are happening at Iona. Will kids who play this upcoming 23-24 season, will any of them be able to take advantage of NIL? Yes, 
Absolutely. Well, that's great news. Great news. I'm sure Iona fans would be happy to hear about that. What's your take on the state of college basketball? Uh, you know, sometimes I look at it and it's a little depressing. I saw so many great mid-major players leave to go to bigger conferences and kind of really hurt the mid-major teams. But then you do get some power six guys come back to the mid-majors. Well, you know, it's a little scary where college basketball is going because I don't really know where it's going. So I'm, I'm concerned about the state of college basketball. Yeah, I'm more. I'm not. I'm not as concerned as, as you are. I think, like everything else in college basketball, like, like all sports, there's, there's ebbs and flows, right? There goes up and down. There's new things come in. It's 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 a trend, or it's a it's a it's a it's a short term thing. I mean, for the, let's just say, for example, this tournament. I mean, Florida Atlantic was you know they're they're a definite mid major who went to the final four and should have been in the final game. They're, they're one one jumper away from for being a championship game. Um, we had we won two games. Princeton won two games. Uh, Furman won a, a first round game. Uh, so a lot of mid majors did well in. In the um, in the in the tournament this year, so I don't think that it's good, it's it's a as big a thing right now as maybe people think it's going to be. Um, I'm a little worried about you know at some point there has to be a little bit of control, some stuff, some standards, some some things placed on, on the NIL stuff where it's not just a pay for play where the highest bidder gets um, all the recruits. You know, because I, I I see guys going to schools where the only reason they're going there is for NIL. And that's not a good thing for college basketball. It's not a good kid for the, thing for the student athletes. You know, kids should choose a school based on other factors. And when some schools are just buying recruits, that is not a good thing for college athletics. So I think it's some, you know, hopefully the next couple of years we get more of a handle on things. I've actually talked to the president of the NCAA, Charlie Baker. He called me after the, the Purdue game, called me twice. We had good conversations. And I think he'll do a good job. And I think there'll be some, 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 um, um, guidelines placed on this because right now it's a, it's a free for all and so but I you know I'm not having tr- you know we're recruiting and it's not as big a factor I think right now if you're recruiting the right kids as it, it's, as people think it is going to be what shocks me as college basketball analyst is how many guys in the portal right now have already transferred once and are assuming they're getting the waiver and I think some of these guys are going to be shocked well I'll be upset. If they start doing waivers for all these guys, because first of all, they've already given the, the 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 one time the transfer the portal the whole thing, right? So I've got guys who you know we, we had FDU guys I can't talk specific, specifically, but would, would have come with me, but they already transferred one time, right? So you can you can say you can you can make up reasons or make up excuses, but it should it, it should be a one time thing, and that's it. There shouldn't be any of this wiggle room or this is this stuff where it's like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna find ways out of these situations. So. Um, that's, that is a concern. I mean, once, the one-time transfer thing is fine. They start transferring two or three times or four times. Those kids are not going to graduate. It's bad for college basketball. I agree, 100%. All right, Coach Tobin Anderson, we've reached our commercial break. I just want to say, number one, thank you. It's so fun to interview you. I, I love your personality. I love how excited you are about Iona University of Basketball. I can't wait to, to watch the games next season, and I can't wait to uh, interview after the games at the post-game conference. Uh, congratulations and good luck. Uh, thanks, Jim. I really appreciate that. Love all you do for college basketball. Love your passion. You're, you're fired, too. That's great, great stuff. So I'll be seeing a lot of you next, next winter. I can't wait. I can't wait. Sounds great. Right, Coach Tobin Anderson, I own a coach. He's going to be great. All right, folks, we're going to our break. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, please stay on the line, and we still have half the show coming up uh, after this break. We'll be right back, folks. We love that basketball. They're playing Okay, folks, we're back on Kyle Tube Chat. How great was that interview with new Iona coach Tobin Anderson? He was fantastic. You could see why he did so well in the NCAA tournament. Brought a lot of energy to the interview, and 
certainly is going to bring that to uh, recruiting and coaching. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch him coach Iona University this year. All right, now we're going to turn to the Syracuse Orange. And we on the line, we have uh, one of the top reporters who covers uh, the uh, Syracuse Orange, Mike Waters. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you tonight? Doing great. So I see you are with the Post Standard newspaper and Syracuse.com, and uh, you're all over the Syracuse team. And this must be a really busy job for you right now, because in the last month, uh, a lot of changes at Syracuse. It's been a very hectic off season. The off season began about ten minutes after Syracuse's season ended with a loss to Wake Forest in the ACC tournament when Jim Beheim essentially uh, announced his retirement, and uh, it just hasn't stopped. And it, it just the, the thing probably every basketball reporter tells you these days is absolutely true here in Syracuse. There is no off season. We hear that a lot, but exciting time. New coach Adrian Autry, who played. Uh, for uh, Syracuse, was a terrific player from 1990 to 94. Then he went off to Europe, came back, did some high school, uh, eventually uh, coached at Syracuse for about 12 years. Now he's the head coach. How are people feeling about the new coach? I think most Syracuse fans are excited uh, to see. Well, I, forget, I think first they're all very happy that, that Adrian got the job. Uh, he, he, a former player, a fan favorite when he was here, um, as you said, returned to the university about 12 years ago. He's been the associate head coach under Jim Beheim most recently for the last, I think, five years, uh, five, six years. But he also has other experience. Before he got to Syracuse, he spent a few years at Virginia Tech. He was an assistant to Seth Greenberg there. Prior to that, he, he was coaching high school and AAU ball in the Washington, D.C. area, and he grew up in New York City. You know, so he's got ties to some of the most important recruiting areas in the, you know, for Syracuse. Uh, so, you know, Jim Beheim, highly successful, 47-year career, probably will never see anything like that ever again uh, for a guy at his, at his alma mater, one school for his entire career. But I think there is a certain amount of excitement for Adrian Autry as they move forward here. I agree. Great career. Coach Beheim was a legend in the sport. Uh, we wish him well in retirement. Uh, I've been watching him coach since I was in high school in the 70s. But I do think there's a, a level of excitement with the new coach, and I think uh, Syracuse fans should be pretty psyched. But got a lot of transition on the roster. You have two of your three top scorers, Jesse Edwards and Joe Girard, leaving. Uh, and then your third, uh, the other guy who's one of your top three scorers, is in the NBA, NBA draft, may come back. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's quite a bit of upheaval. And, you know, to be honest, uh, to see Jesse Edwards, the starting center, who with one year of eligibility remaining, to see him leave in the manner that he did, that was a shock to the system of a lot of Syracuse fans. Uh, Jesse was in a very important player to last year's team, uh, led the ACC in block shots, led the ACC in rebounding, uh, field goal percentage, one of the leaders in the conference. Um, really probably put together the finest season for a Syracuse center. Boy, maybe, you know, depending on how you feel about Rakeem Christmas in his senior year uh, back in uh, 2015, probably back to then. To see him go to West Virginia, that one hurts. Losing Joe Girard hurts, too. But there are other guards in the system. Uh, they've already brought in two guards through the portal. J.J. Starling, who had a good, solid freshman year at Notre Dame last year. He's a local kid, grew up just outside of Syracuse. They recruited him hard uh, coming out of high school. Um, he transfers in Chance Westry, 
a very highly rated player a year ago in last year's high school recruiting class. Did not play much at Auburn this year. He had uh, knee surgery on October 6th. He really never recovered from that. And after 11 games played, they shut him down for the rest of the season. So he took a medical red shirt. These are really two good guards. Now, they don't have the kind of experience that Joe Girard did, and they're not the shooter that Joe Girard was. Syracuse is going to have to find some way to replace Girard there, but you hope that they're better defensively at the same time. But now the big question, and you, you mentioned his name, Judah Mintz. Fantastic freshman year at Syracuse last season. You know, all, all rookie team on the ACC. He scored, he, dri- you know, he drove, he could create. And at the end of the year, he was starting to make shots from the outside. He's got his name in the draft. All Syracuse fans can do right now is hold their breath and wait. He's gonna, probably going to go to the Combine in Chicago next month. Whether he comes back or not, who knows. If he comes back, Syracuse's backcourt is incredible. If right. he doesn't, it'll be interesting to see whether they try to add somebody in the backcourt. But that could be difficult to do depending on what they're telling recruits or potential transfers. Do right. the coaches know what Judah's plans are? Are they able to tell transfer prospects that or not? We don't know. But Judah comes back, they look good. But they still need to replace Jesse Edwards at center. And the coaches right now, are. I'm assuming that they're looking at the portal very, very um, hard. Right, I agree. uh, Um, They need somebody. The other thing about Syracuse, I would say, I watched a bunch of games last season. Four other guys coming back, three freshmen and a sophomore, all have a lot of potential. Benny Williams, Chris Bell. Malik Brown and Justin Taylor. So they do have some good players for the rotation. If Mint comes back, they get another good guy out of the portal. Syracuse could be very good next year. Syracuse absolutely could have been very good this year. If had they not lost Jesse Edwards and could get Judah back, that team I think probably would have been top four, top five in the ACC. They I don't know how they're going to replace Jesse. They need to. But that said, as you mentioned, they've got other guys who can play. The guys you mentioned, Benny Williams, Chris Bell, Justin Taylor, Malik Brown, they were all thrown into the fire last year as babies. Um, they gained a lot of experience the hard way. But it, by the end of the season, Chris Bell and, and Benny Williams especially were playing pretty well. I Benny agree. Williams had a fantastic game in the loss to Wake Forest in the ACC tournament. He had like 24 points. He made four or five threes. He, he looked like a player. And so you hope an offseason to work for him maybe get a little stronger. Same with Malik Brown, the freshman power forward who had his moments last year. They could have a few, uh, they could have a nice rotation of guys. And another guy we didn't mention, the coaches all last year, especially even Jim Beheim himself, they kept praising Quadier Copeland, right. who last year was a six foot six freshman, never really got a lot of playing time, but they always were talking about how he was impacting practices. Right, And maybe there's a chance there that he can take that leap and take what he was doing in practice and start showing us that in games that season. All right, Mike Waters, great job. We're going to look forward to seeing the Syracuse Orange. Very succinct, excellent description. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay, Mike Waters on Syracuse Orange basketball. All right, let's jump into one more call that we have on the line. One of our favorite callers, Patrick Madden from the Big, Big East blog. Patrick, you tell us right now who in the Big East is doing well in that transfer portal. Uh, if I had to say one team off the bat, it's Xavier. They, they've they lost a couple. They lost Jack Nungy. They lost uh, Sule Boom. 
but they've picked up they've picked up solid replacements for those guys. Abu Osamari, a six nine transfer from North Texas, is probably going to be Nunji's replacement. And then they picked up a nice point guard from Western Kentucky, Damian McKnight. Right. Uh, they also picked up another key guard, Quincy Olivari from Rice. Right. So uh, Sean Miller's killed the portal so far in terms of probably the best performance of any team in the Big East out of the portal so far. All right, Xavier, number one, looks like Villanova's doing a nice job. Uh, they picked up replacements for uh, Daniels and Cam Whitmore. Uh, they got T.J. Bamba from Western, from Washington State. It came hard from Maryland. Uh, so, I mean, the one thing they didn't pick up yet, and it's a question of whether they're going to do it, is whether or not they're going to pick up another big man or if they're going to continue to sort of just ride Eric Dixon all the way playing the five. I think they're hoping to pick up another big man who can be productive, uh, but that's something which uh, Kyle Neptune's trying to figure out at this point. All right, who else is doing well in the portal? There's two teams doing well. Who else? Uh, Creighton's picked up a couple of players to replace uh, Ryan Nemhard, uh, and uh, who is Arthur Kaluma went draft eligible. They picked up Stephen Ashworth, a nice little shooter from Utah State, and they picked up Isaac Trout, who was a guy, one too many big man on the Virginia roster, but he fits the mode of what Greg McDermott tries to do with Creighton in right. terms of being a solid stretch for Right. Now, we, now, let's make Kenny from Rye happy. The new coach... Um, came from uh, um, George Mason, Mason. brought two of his best players with him, but he also kept most of the key players there. So you add the two guys he brought in to the players they kept. Providence looks good. Actually, I have to correct you. There's three guys he picked up. Okay. He picked up Devontae Gaines, a small forward. Uh, He picked up Josh Aduro, who's going to be another big man who can uh, sort of uh, fill the void that Ed Croswell is leaving. And he picked up Justin Fernandez, uh, who's a shooting guard uh, who can help supplement the scoring. Uh, of course, you know, Providence has a solid uh, backcourt already, uh, but uh, getting uh, Fernandez should be able to help, and he's got a, his eye on a couple of other prospects to sort of fill that roster out. So Kim English hit the ground running at Providence. You know, he picked up his own guys, but then again, you know, part of it is that, you know, a good coach uh, knows how to get his own guys uh, to move over with him if they had the opportunity. All right, we have time for one more team. Tell us about your love, Seton Hall Pirates. How are they doing? Uh, a little early to tell. I don't know what they're looking for exactly. Uh, you know, they, 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 you know, they still have some guys who are in the starting lineup. I think Shaheen Holloway really wants to get a big man. Unfortunately, he hasn't really hit with any of them yet. Uh, but there's plenty of time left in the portal to see what happens. All right, Patrick Madden, as always, great job. Thanks for being such a great friend of our show. All right, thank you, Jim, and uh, thank you for putting me on this sheet. My pleasure. Thanks, Patrick. All right, folks, we're going to our final break, and then we're coming back for the last segment of the show. We love that basketball. Okay, folks, we are back on the last segment of our show. College Super Chat here on WVOX, 1460 AM. I'm the host, Jim Misano, and let me just let everybody know, this is also the last segment of the season. Uh, we've decided that the last show every year will be in the end of April, because once you get into May, going into uh, the summer, people are following college basketball a little less, so we take a break, and then we come back in October, we start doing our preseason shows. On the line, I have two of the good friends of our show, but not only that, 
two classmates from the class of 81 at Iona Prep. We have Tommy Freyer, the great coach of Mount St. Michael Academy in the Bronx, and everyone knows Kenny from Rye, our other caller. Good evening, gentlemen. What are you How are we doing? All right, guys. Great to have you. All right, we'll start with Tommy Freyer. Tommy, one of the f- people have told me they always enjoy when you explain what it's like now to be a senior in high school when they're trying to make their way up to Division One. when you have all these other issues going on, like the transfer portal and NIL. What's it like to be a, a really strong basketball player in the Catholic High School League where you coach uh, that would like to play Division One? Well, I think you just hit it on the head. You have to be a really good player, a really good player, because these Division One teams, they're looking at the transfer portal, they're looking at JUCOs, they're looking at preps. And unless you're a really good one, they're really staying away from the high school level. Actually, I was on the phone this week with a mid-major head coach, and he said to me, he's not recruiting high school kids anymore. He said, because if I get a good one, he said he's only going to stay for a year. He said, so it's not worth it. So basically, the years of recruiting high school kids year after year after year is now going to the portal year after year after year. That's where they're looking. And the high school kids are really getting the, you know, the back end of the stick. But, you know, it is what it is. It's not changing, and um, it's only going to get worse. So this is both, but we'll go Tommy first and then Kenny. Both of you guys comment about what I'm about to say. We had Tobin Anderson on the show early. He was great, by the way, really great. And Tom Freyer helped us get him on the show. And uh, it's very exciting to have the Iona coach now participating on the College Hoops Chat radio show. So thank you, Tobin Anderson. Now, he brought in four freshmen, and he feels like if he can build the right culture in the program, everybody feels like they're on something that's improving and getting better. He can keep the freshmen. What do you think about that, Tom Freyer? Well, I mean, I, you know, if that's his gut, that's his gut. But I also know if those freshmen don't pan out, okay, they'll be steered out of there, just like other schools. I mean, it's happened before, it's happening everywhere, because these guys are trying to assemble the best rosters that they can. And notably, the best rosters that you can assemble are generally experienced 20, 21-year-old kids who have already played at the college level, not at the high school level. So I'm not saying that there aren't high school kids out there, because there are, and there's some good ones, but the majority of the coaches out there are looking at the portal first. Kenny from Rye, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's interesting because I think each coach has kind of a different philosophy from a perspective of, as, as, as Coach Freyer is mentioning, mid-majors. I mean, that, that situation may be a little bit different than playing at a Power 5 conference from a perspective of the ratio of freshmen you bring in versus the portal that's called the candidates or players. The one thing I can say is that I saw from Cooley was that in the portal, he didn't, he didn't take anybody that he had not already recruited when they were freshmen whether he made a formal offer to them, but he knew them very well when he went out, when he went back out and got them in the portal. So they fit the system and they fit the way that, you know, that he believed they could be successful. So I think there are, there is a way to do it and there is a ratio to do it. I don't know if it's 70, 30, 60, 40, but um, I, I think it's a challenging time though. It's right now it's firsthand uh, of what it is like to be a senior in, in high school, trying to get a division one scholarship. So that's the challenging part. So, Maybe there's a new roadmap for kids like that. Do they go to, unfortunately, maybe an Iona and then excel and then try and get into a Power 5 or trying to get into, like the Syracuse kid, a nil deal that pays them more money? Right. So it was interesting chatting with Tobin Anderson about this exact issue because he does feel that if, you know, if he creates the right culture and 
to Tommy Frere's point, they're playing. They're part of the rotation. Uh, they're getting burned, as we used to say back in the day, that, that they'll stay. And, and, and that's certainly possible. The other situation for Tobin Anderson was he had to basically uh, replace an entire roster, and he probably wasn't going to be able to get 10, 11 guys out of the portal. So he was going to have to include freshmen as part of his new roster. Fair point, Tom Freyer? Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, when you're trying to load up your roster with that many guys, you know, that's a fair point. But I've been watching what Patino's doing out there, and the one high school recruit that had um, given a verbal to St. John's is this kid Gardner out of Christ the King from our league. Well, Patino got the job, and that kid's not going. And as far as I've been reading and hearing, I don't know if Patino's involved with many high school kids right now. Interesting. He's shot in the portal like crazy. He may be looking at one or... You know, too, but he's he's looking to bring in nine or ten guys. I mean, it's like assembling a little league team. Right. He really is. Right. I saw Tom. I saw him uh, in the Stepan Act gym, uh, look, yeah. looking at that boogie. Well, Flan boogie, kid. boogie Flan is up there, and he's a good. You know, he's a real good guard. He's a solid player. You know, he's one of the exceptions. He's one of the top. You know, seventy-five or a hundred that will go through the process and really, you know, will will, will land something. He's a terrific player. You know, and the, on the flip side, you got a lot of kids out there that really aren't too logical, you know, on, 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 on where they are. You know, they hear portal and say, I'll put my name in the portal. Well, they put the name in with 1,900, almost 2,000 names. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of guys. Absolutely. That's a lot of guys. Let me turn to Kenny from Rye because we've Kenny and I have discussed this issue on the show multiple times. One of the sad pieces of the portal that... People that are all raving how great the portal is don't really concentrate on. But uh, like 400 kids in the portal, something like that was the number last season, lost their Division One scholarship and ended up um, in JUCO or even out of basketball. So the portal can be great for some kids. It can be really bad for some kids because they made a mistake going in the portal. Kenny? Yeah, I mean, that, that goes to the point of, you know, good guidance from – your family members, your coach, your your high school coach, AAU coach, whatever it is. But I know Frey has seen this firsthand where a kid, he steps out, he thinks he's better than he is, and then all of a sudden there's nobody there. And you're either you're lucky if you get back into JC or you're worse, you're out of it altogether. But uh, I think, you know, again, because this is so new and it was launched on everybody, it will settle out, you know, in the sense that it will settle out from a perspective of, People who have been burned, the 400 kids this year, last year, 300 maybe this year, people will start to realize that, and it will it will calm itself down. So there there will be a good ratio of people that transfer, and your college, your successful college roster will be a mix of both. I, I believe that now, and I believe it going forward as well. So I believe you're correct, Kenny from Rye, but I have to add one caveat, and the caveat is the only way it's going to settle out if the NCAA uh, was telling us the truth when they put out that memo that they were going to be much harder uh, this year on people who transfer the second time when they seek a waiver. If they start denying the waivers and you really only get the one free transfer, I do think it will settle out. But Tobin Anderson was curious about that in the interview. I'm curious about because uh, it's hard to trust the NCAA because they say things and don't back it up. Tom Fryer? Yeah, I mean, you know, what, my former player, Mike Green, two years of Bryant, Two years of Robert Morris, and then he just signed with James Madison three days ago. You know, and he and I would text, but I said, Mike, it's got to be a good fit for you because what he's trying to do is, you know, develop, you know, a, a, a long piece of film, three or four minutes, because he wants to play over in Europe and he wants the ball in his hands and so on and so forth. And here's a kid 
who's going to graduate from Robert Morris in two weeks, and then he's going to play a fifth-year James Madison. And don't lose sight of the fact that the NILs, the big schools are rich and they're going to get richer because they're going to get big NIL deals, which are going to draw the top, top players. The guys in the middle and the low ones, you know, they're pretty much looking at what's left. They're not going to be surrounded with a big NIL budget, okay, as a place, you know, as a big five, you know, conference and so on and so forth. So, you know, I don't know where it's headed. I, I, I don't like where it is, and I don't, you know, I don't anticipate it, it getting any better anytime soon. So, uh, Kenny from Rye, I found it interesting that Tobin Anderson said that uh, Iona's collective is established, they're working on it, uh, donors and alumni are uh, raising money for it, and that Iona players this upcoming season will get some NIL money. I was happy to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it, it depends what type of school you're in. I, mean, I can just speak of, let's just speak of firsthand what I know very well, Providence. We don't have a football team. So it, it's, it's much, much easier for us to establish a mill where everybody gets something. Now, obviously, the better players get more money, and that was supposed to be one of the reasons why Hopkins stayed. He's supposed to got a, good, a nice chunk. So they, they do have an, a good NIL deal. And, and again, let's put this in real. You know, we hear the big deals of the, of the, you know, of Young from Alabama, the quarterback made a million dollars. But then there's everybody else where, you know, $1,500, $2,500 a month is a lot of money. And so everybody doesn't have to get a million dollar contract. And those are few and far between. So I think it, it will, it will, I think Bray is right though from a standpoint. <clears throat> I know Providence has one set up. It's very well organized. It's decently funded. We don't have football, so we don't, you know, we don't have to divide it with that. So, you know, we are competitive from that standpoint where you hear the gentleman, the young man from Syracuse who said the meal deal in Syracuse stinks and I'm out of here. So uh, again, something else that's got to settle out, but I do think it, the rich will get richer in this case, uh, just because of the TV deals and everything else as well. I agree. Um, Tom, one quick follow-up question. So you said the kids that are getting Division One scholarships out of high school basketball now are just the very top, top kids. Those kids are just a notch below who probably would have gotten D1 scholarships. What are they doing now? I'm sorry, just say that again. The, the kids that what? The kids who were a notch below the top, top players in the old days probably would have got a D1 scholarship at a mid-major. Now they don't. What do they do? Well, they're just hanging on. You know, they're hanging on, but they also know that it's not likely. You know, when, you, when you're dealing with kids, you're dealing with egos, you're dealing with, you know, who's doing what, you know, and they kind of, some of them throw their nose up at a Division two scholarship. But it all depends on the kid. You know, you, you hope that the parents are steering them the right way. I mean, there's guys out there that, that you know, that they call handlers and they just want to push the kid because they want to be able to say, hey, this kid plays for me at AU and I got him a Division one scholarship, and then after one year it doesn't pan out. Right. So, you know, my thing is, you know, my job as a high school coach is to get you to college for free. I don't care what level it is. And they may not want to hear that. Right. However, that's the reality of it. And, you know, and a lot of kids have no idea how good Division Two basketball is. A lot of kids have no idea how good Division Three basketball is. They really don't. And look at Tobin Anderson. Division Two. he built a powerful team, and now he's up at Iona. He did, it, Division Two worked for Tobin Anderson, right? Sure did. It sure did. All right, Kenny from Rye, you're going to have the last word. Of season three of the College Hoop Chat Radio Show, what's your final thought? Well, I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens next year when all these rosters set out, particularly for our local team in Iona. But I think it's been a great three years, James, and I'm glad to be part of the program. It's been a blast. Thanks, sir. Tommy Freyer, Kenny from Raw, you guys are great. Thank you so much for helping me do this radio show. All right, all right buddy. Enjoy the summer. Thanks.
back. Thanks, guys. All right, that's it. Season three is completed. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being part of our show, for tuning in and supporting us. And we'll be back for season four in October. That's for sure. Thank you from College Hoops Chat. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>